welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning in actually a couple passages of Scripture, and um, as we see them kind of side by side here, I think there will be a certain theme that we're familiar with as believers. Matthew chapter 18, or Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then Mark's account, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. So when we see these two scriptures together, we think of this, probably the phrase that comes to mind is the Great Commission. This is our parting words from our Lord, basically, as he left us and the instructions that he gave us to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Of course, the word gospel means good news. You know, we have good news. You know, when the angels proclaimed, you know, we have good news, you know, to all men. You know, there's born unto you this day in the city of David a, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is good news that we have that we are going to proclaim to this world, the good news of God's Son, the good news of His love. And, um, you know, as we think about just this and the mission, the commission, different things like that, um, kind of an interesting thought here is the word gospel itself appears almost a hundred times in our New Testament. So it's a word that is very much front and center for us as believers in terms of we know what the gospel is. What is it? It's a message. It's a message that we communicate to a world. You know, it's amazing how God chose to save people. He chose to save people from hell through a message, through words spoken. Cornelius was a really good guy, a good man, but he wasn't saved. And there was an angel that came to him and said, send men to Joppa, find this guy named Peter. He's going to tell you words by which you must be saved. God set salvation up in this most amazing way. Jesus did literally all the heavy lifting. He's the one who came to the earth. He's the one who lived the perfect sinless life. He's the one who died on that cross, shed his blood, raised from the dead. He did all the price. He paid the price. And yet, as important as everything Jesus did was to our salvation, God leaves us with a role that works with what Jesus did. That's required 
for people to be saved, to be set free. It's an awesome, amazing sense of responsibility that, wow, we have a role. Now, I will say this as a pastor, as a believer, probably one of the topics that you could preach from the Word that draws more of a sense of personal condemnation isn't a lot of the sins and things that you might think of. It's the sense of responsibility of sharing your faith. And like, man, I, this is what I'm here for, and I'm not really doing it, and I'm not. It's like, ah. Oh. And there can be an underlying thing of, you know, there it is, go into all the world. You know, and there are people that we admire, we can see, they're just sharing their faith all the time. It's like, wow, I wish I was like that guy or that gal or something like that. And yet we, we all have this sense, this call to share the gospel. It's on every one of us as the church. And this morning, I want to just minister along those lines, sharing the gospel. What does that look like for us? And to not have this sense of condemnation when, when the thought of sharing the gospel comes up. I'm, just, I'm believing God to do a work this morning in all of our hearts that's going to disarm some of the fear and the apprehension and all that stuff that can kind of go along with just sharing the good news and to realize that God set this up in a way that we can do it and there's freedom and there's peace. You know, Jesus referred to it as fishing for men, okay? There is an element of skill. There is an element as you continue to share and step out that you develop and grow in, you know, being able to share and minister and communicate the gospel. But this morning, I really want to um, kind of get across, you know, the heart of what it really means to share the gospel. And in, in really my goal, too, is to, is to kind of simplify it. I've heard a lot of different teachings and ministries along this lines, really good stuff, um, Larry and Gigi Moans are, are a wonderful couple who minister along this line, have a great book out there just about sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, different things like that. And so what I'm sharing with you this morning is kind of, a, um, you know, just as a pastor doing the work of an evangelist, just the things that I've found in my heart that have really helped me as it relates to this communicating the gospel. Now, what I'm talking about this morning is not event evangelism. It's not shining and seeing your good works and pe people can connect dots. That's all important. That's all valuable. And that's a part of it. What I'm talking about this morning is you sharing the gospel, all right? I'm talking about you communicating your faith in your heart, all right? Now, again, there's one body, there's many members, people have different calls, different emphases, different things like that. But as we look at the scripture, we can see that on each one of us, that there is not just a sense of you know, responsibility to, sh to share the good news, but there is a desire that God puts on the inside of us to help hurting people in this area. So this morning, we're going to just talk about sharing the gospel, what that means, what that looks like in real life. And I'm just believing that um, this is going to have a powerful disarming if you have a lot of apprehension about this kind of thing, sharing your faith, and it's going to simplify it 
in a way that's going to make it, um, you know, uh, peaceful, and that you'll, you'll be able to sense the Spirit of God in it. So the first thing as far as sharing the gospel is simply what we call the simplicity of the gospel. Know it. The apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians, and he said, I'm, a, I'm concerned for you, lest you be, de- be deceived like, like the serpent deceived Eve in the garden, that you're deceived from the simplicity that's in the gospel. Let somebody come and preach another Jesus you know, that's different or off, but to remember that there is just a simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel. And so as we're talking about sharing our faith, we got to realize that what it is that we're going to share, it's really simple, so simple. And these few passages of scripture here are commonly referred to as what we'd call the Roman road, all right? Where you take somebody through the book of Romans, you know, and just a couple scriptures, you get the entire essence of salvation right here. I'll just go ahead and read them. Romans 3.10, no one is righteous, not even one. Romans 5.8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Romans 10.9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That right there is the gospel. That's it. It is so, so simple. If you can just, I mean, the Bible is a big book. I get it. But the heart of this book is a very basic, simple, little love story. And it is wrapped up in these verses. So when we're talking about sharing my faith, oh my goodness, my faith and all that I know about God and all that I know about the Bible, forget all that right now. We're just talking about sharing your faith. Why are you here? You're here because of that. You're not here because of what you know about the Bible. You're here because of what God did for you there. That's why we're here. That's why hell lost another one. Because we saw this and we believed it. And it is so simple. I mean, if you can think of it, think of it this way. If God had to make salvation available to everyone, to whosoever will, it couldn't be complicated, could it? If the true salvation message was complicated, there would be people who couldn't be saved because they didn't have the intellectual capacity to follow your reasoning and go to those depths so they're damned because they didn't have the intellectual prowess to stay with you. He didn't do it that way. God set it up that whosoever will, it had to be so basic. had to be so... So when I'm talking about know the, the simplicity of the gospel, know it, we're talking about something very simple. I mean, it would be like God, you know, basically the essence of the, the salvation message is God saying this. It's like he's saying, me God, you sinner. Me love you. Me send Jesus, son, to die for you. For your sin, me raised Jesus from dead. You turn to me 
believe Jesus died for your sin, believe me raised Jesus from dead, and you live with me forever. It's got to be so easy a caveman could do it. Yes. No offense to the caveman, but I'm just saying. It's got to be simple. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be that minister. You don't have to be that evangelist. You don't have to be that. You don't have to know all the apologetics. What if they say this? What if they... This is what you got to know. You just know this. This is what we hide in our heart. We're sinners. God loves sinners. He sent Jesus to die for sinners. And he raised his son from the dead. And if I turn to him and believe that Jesus died for my sins and that God raised him from the dead, I will have eternal life and live with him forever. You know, that sounds different on different ears. I get it. But it doesn't change the truth and the simplicity of the message of the gospel. Don't get out ahead. In other words, this is what I'm saying. And this is what I'm saying, and this is what I've had to learn through the years. I love problem solving. I love anticipating objections. I love all that kind of stuff. I love that kind of different thing. But when it comes to the gospel, there's a lot of that that can be indulgent, self-indulgent. And we got to lay that aside. And there's a certain humility you know, you take on just to receive the gospel. You've got to humble yourself as a child to believe it. But you also have to humble yourself to share it. And instead of getting bogged down by all the, again, all the objections and what I knew and what I don't know, understand that this is what saves a person. It is so simple. In fact, when you read through the book of Acts, what's, I mean, Peter gets up and speaks. You know, and about three, four verses later, a bunch of people are getting saved. Here's an example of that. This is Peter at Cornelius' house, okay? He's called to preach the gospel, and, you know, there's kind of a, an amazing way God set this whole thing up. But anyway, Peter's here. He's at Cornelius' house, and he's about to preach the simplicity of the gospel. He says this, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with, this is his sermon, verbatim, with the Holy Spirit and with power, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by, nailing him, by hanging him on a cross. Then God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us who God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the appointed one by God to be the judge of all the living and all the dead. He's the one the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. They got baptized, part of the church. They didn't have to go through 15 classes. They didn't have to go through a, a bunch of 
protocol and all that to be officially a Christian. They heard a message and they believed and they were saved. Peter came and told them words by which they must be saved. And Peter, he knew a lot of stuff. He had a lot of history. He just laid it out plain. They hung him on a cross. God raised him from the dead. And anybody who believes in him will have their sins forgiven. I mean, I don't know how long it took to preach the sermon. If you clocked it, not that long. This is simple. If you look at real-life examples of preaching the gospel, even Peter on the day of Pentecost, you know, Acts chapter 2 doesn't read that long. What must we do to be saved? Repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know, it's, it is such a simple truth. And so, again, what about objections? What about, we'll, we're going to get to that, all right? But first things first, what is it that I'm sharing? I'm sharing something really simple. I'm not sharing, again, the full theological discourse of what this person thinks and that person thinks and all this kind of... It's just the simple, plain truth. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. God raised him from the dead. I turn to God, to the cross, and I receive his sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sins. I call upon his name and I'm saved. Think about that. We're saved. We don't know anything. We don't really know the Bible. We don't really know. We're just believing a message and we're saved. So it's important to understand that as we're talking about the, you know, sharing our faith, just to, to take the pressure off ourselves and just realize that it's a simple message. It's not complicated. It does have to be literally so easy a caveman could do it. It does have to be so simple that anybody could get it, that you could lead a child to Christ. This is humbling to man. It's humbling when we, have to when we receive the gospel, but it's also humbling on us too when it comes to sharing our faith. It's just a simple faith that we're sharing. And to keep it simple for ourselves. I don't have to go on a, off on a bunch of tangents. I'm just basically knowing. I'm knowing in my heart we're all sinners. God showed his love by sending Jesus. If I declare Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. And what is that? That free gift is eternal life. That's it. That's the essentials. That's what I'm knowing in my heart as I'm getting ready to share my faith. Just that. And again, you look at the examples of just Book of Acts sermons. These are simple little sermons about Jesus dying, raising again, and thousands of people coming to Christ. So when it comes to sharing our faith, there's the simplicity of the gospel, and we just know it. We know, and it's not that these are the only scriptures we know. We can know other scriptures that relate to this, but we kind of get these, this truth in our heart. Next, there's the simplicity of the gospel, but there's also the power of the gospel. Trust it. All right? The simplicity of the gospel, we know it, but then there's the power of the gospel. Trust it. The Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I refuse to be ashamed of sharing the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. The message, it's news I'm most proud to proclaim, this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts in him. Again, hell lost another one. Why did hell lose another one? They heard the message. They heard the gospel, and they believed it. That's why hell lost another one. Oh, man, it's just so important to realize that there is power in that word. In fact, there was a place in Corinthians, I don't have it in here, he said, when I came to you, I didn't come with persuasive words of men's wisdom. I just came to know nothing but the cross. There is power in those words. There is power in that message. Here's another way the Apostle Paul puts it. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. As the scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, I will discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven. It's foolish for the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach Christ was crucified... The Jews are offended. The Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Here's the Apostle Paul, who is very well educated anticipating the objections. He knows what he's going to get. He knows what the Jews want. He knows what the Greeks want. He understands that, and he'll cut through that and declare the gospel (sighs) because he knows the gospel has power to save those who believe. In other words, something happens when you share the gospel. The gospel itself, in other words, the Apostle Paul was saying, this person's ability to get saved is not going to be based on my power of persuasion. It's not like me, sinner, me, persuade, sinner. I'm going to have to caveman talk again here. (laughs) I don't know why. Still a caveman could get it in case he's watching and listening. I don't know. All right. Me, sinner, and I got to persuade sinner to believe in Jesus. The the pressure's on me to persuade. I got to get in their head. I got to totally understand every little objection, anticipate it, be ready for it. I have got, it's just really on my persuasion. My persuasive ability is the power of God to salvation. No, it isn't. There's something about that simple little caveman message that has power that's greater than all your persuasive capabilities. And that's why the Apostle Paul said, I didn't come with persuasive wisdom. I came with a confidence in the gospel. I came with a confidence in the simplicity of the message, knowing it's going to be scoffed at by the, Jew, by the Greeks, knowing that it's going to be less than for the Jews who want more of a sign and power. I understand it, but I'm declaring it because there's power in it. 
I'm anticipating the objections, but I'm not intimidated by the objections. I'm leading with that gospel because I believe in the power of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. We trust it. We trust the power of the gospel. I remember just being at a, um, I related this at like one of these state fairs and we had a water giveaway for our church and we had these booths, you know, where you'd get some water and, you know, the, the refreshing water of God's love and you could come and know more about God and different things like that. And you have these booths and you can share with people the message of the gospel. You know, I'm just kind of a young believer and I'm just kind of trying to be in my head and persuade and all this. And they'd give us a card to stick with. And I noticed the person next to me, they stayed with the card and they were getting results. I'm over here trying to talk and explain and I just couldn't hardly get anywhere. But when you stayed with the card, when you believed in the power of the gospel, when you just laid it straight, there's power in that message. More than all my explaining and trying to get, figure all this stuff out, just staying with the truth of the gospel. God loves you. We are all sinners, all in a sinful condition. We all need a Savior. Jesus didn't come to this earth to start up another religion. He came to save us sinners from our sin. We can turn to him, believe on him, believe God raised him from the dead. That simple message has power in it. How does that work? Here's, I love the way Romans puts it here as he's talking about the importance and the need of the gospel. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? This is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger of the messengers who bring good news. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. So here it is, again, me, unbeliever. It's not me in the power of my persuasion to convert the unbeliever. The power is in the gospel. Because when I preach the gospel, something's going to happen to that person, whether they want it to or not, faith is going to come. I don't care how jaded they are. I don't care what their background is. It's going to come, and they're going to have to do something with that. This is where it's very individual. This is where people got to decide what they're going to do with Jesus. Who do men say that I am? Jesus said, who do you say that I am? That's really what we're presenting in the gospel. This is who Jesus is. What do you say? There is going to be a faith that comes when people hear the gospel preached. One of the, you know, the minister who I got saved through the, the evangelistic crusade was a guy named Nicky Cruz, okay? Now, this is a little excerpt of his story, all right? He was a gang leader of the Mamas in New York City, a skinny little preacher named David Wilkerson. Came to town and preached the gospel, all right? And this was kind of the first part of that testimony. He's, you know, he's on his turf, and the skinny little preacher comes on his turf, of course, he doesn't know, to preach the gospel, and as Nikki tells it, he says, the skinny man walked over to me, stuck out his hand, and said, Nikki, my name is David Wilkerson. I'm a preacher from Pennsylvania. I just stared at him and said, go to hell, preacher. You don't like me, Nikki, he said. But I feel different about you. I love you. Not only that, I've come to tell you about Jesus who loves you too. 
I felt like a trapped animal about to be caged. <laughs> behind me was the crowd. Of course, he's got his whole gang. He's the leader of the gang. He's got his whole gang behind him. He said, I felt like a trapped animal about to be caged. Behind me was the crowd. In front of me was the smiling face of the skinny man talking about love. No one loved me. No one ever had. As I stood there, my mind raced back to that time so many years ago when I heard my mother say, I don't love you, Nikki. I thought, if your own mother doesn't love you, then no one loves you or ever will. The preacher just stood there smiling with his hands stuck out. I always prided myself on not being afraid, but I was afraid, deeply afraid, that this man was going to put me in a cage, that he was going to take away my friends, he was going to upset everything. Because of this, I hated him. I said, you come near me, preacher, and I'll kill you. I said, shrinking back toward the protection of the crowd. I was afraid, and I didn't know how to deal with it. The fear overwhelmed me. I was close to panic. I snarled at him and turned and walked back through the crowd. This man's a communist, boys, I shouted. Leave him alone. He's a communist. I didn't know what a communist was. <laughs> but I knew it was something everyone was supposed to be against. I was running and I knew it, but I couldn't fight this kind of approach. If he would have come at me with a knife, I would have fought him. If he would have come begging and pleading, I would have laughed and kicked him in the teeth. But he came saying, I love you. I had never come up against this kind of approach before. Now, as you kind of read later in the story, and it's pretty amazing, you know, what people might say on the outside, but what they're dealing with on the inside. This is where we got to know the gospels, the power of God, trust it. Regardless of what they're showing their, your, their hand, you know, they're not going to show their hand. Regardless of what they're showing you, there's cards in their hand, all right, that they're not showing you. When you preach the gospel, there's a new card that comes into their hand, faith. Faith comes by hearing. That's why these words are unique. They're powerful. It's not a man-made philosophy or an ideal or a, you know, a concept. It is God-ordained. And there's a trust in the divine origin of that simple truth that when we proclaim it, we believe faith comes. That's why our feet are beautiful because we're carrying that message. And, and my confidence isn't in my persuasive ability. My confidence is in those simple words. I don't care if it is an angry mama leader who's, you know, letting me have it and snarling and whatever he's calling me. There's a card that's coming into a person's hand when they hear the truth of the gospel because it's true. Now, people have a decision to make, but when I'm sharing faith, my confidence is in the power of that gospel. What does that do? It takes the pressure off us. We're just down here to communicate that, communicate that message. We're down here to tell them the good news. The power, again, it's in the news. The power is in the, the gospel is the power of God. Yeah, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the very power of God. You know, sometimes people don't believe it the first time, all right? As you're sharing it, you might be one of those first times they're hearing it. But it's playing on their heart. Finally, they come around. And you may be part of their testimony, but you don't ever realize it, you know? But what is our job? Our job is to believe in the power 
of the gospel. Believe that it is powerful, that the, the gospel is doing the heavy lifting. Jesus did the heavy lifting at the cross to actually pay for it, and the gospel message itself does the heavy lifting in drawing men's hearts. We're just proclaiming it. We're just, you know, which leads us to the next final point here, and that is your gospel story, tell it, all right? The simplicity of the gospel, know it, not complicated, not rocket science. The power of the gospel, trust it. It's doing what your persuasive abilities can't do. There's just an anointing on it that's causing faith to come. There's things going on in people's heart they won't show you, but it's going on, again, because of the power of the gospel. And finally, your gospel story, tell it. You're here. You got a backstory. And we get some beautiful guidelines in the Word of God on how to tell, on how to tell our story. Um, there's a couple from Peter and, Peter and Paul. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. That's our very simple, again, simple truth, caveman explanation, however you want to say it, but simple message, simplicity of the gospel. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you have the right response for everyone. There is, you see a humility, a kindness. Now, this is not written for the preachers. This is just written for the church as a whole. These are church instructions that are given to all of us, you know, to realize that we have a part to play, okay? There will be opportunities that present themselves. Here it's saying if somebody asks you, be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. I believe, you know, I was just totally a sinner. I know my life before. I know what it was like, but I know I'd heard that God loves me. And I believe that message that he died for my sins. There was, came, there was a point I'd heard it, but there was a point in that time I saw my sin on there. And I believe that. And I experienced forgiveness. I mean, that's exactly what I did. I was at a Nikki Cruz crusade. And this guy who does get saved ends up becoming an evangelist, came to Eau Claire. Actually, it was an amazing situation. I was in uh, seventh grade recreational reading class, and my teacher, Miss Lewison, you know, gave a book report on Run, Baby, Run, which was his life story. And she you know, kind of did what I did, gave a little excerpt, only it was when he was kind of coming fresh into, the, you know, into New York City as a young kid and having to go through an, initi an initiation with the mamas. And he had to choose between, you know, getting a knife in his armpit or getting beat up by three of the strongest boys. He had to choose, he had to pick which you want to get initiated. And then she stopped the story right there. And we're all going, Arr. so we all had to get the book. We had to read the book. <laughs> and we read his story. And man, and it just so happened, Nikki Cruz came to Eau Claire, you know, just like a month or two later. She set us up, totally set us up. <laughs> I didn't know it at the time, but I look back now and say, man, Miss Lewis, and I'm, I don't even know what happened to her or, you know, this was years and years ago, but I look forward to meeting her in heaven someday and thanking her for that little setup. But um, it was it was an amazing story. And I, I went at that crusade. And Nikki, he was still, you know, it's broken English, but you could still clearly make the gospel. But I'll tell you what, Nikki knew his story. He knew how he got there. 
And that's why his story is so special to me, because his story is part of my story. You know, there was a point, an inflection point, where I sensed to make a decision for Christ, and that's where I did, in the cafeteria of that high school. And um, I remember the counselor saying, you know, do you want to pray, or do you want me to pray? I said, no, I want to pray. I mean, I knew, you know, I was raised in a good Lutheran church. I knew my faith. I knew Jesus died. But there was a point where I just had to make that decision personal. And I remember just saying, Lord Jesus, I know you died on that cross for my sins. I believe it. I receive you as my Savior, as my Lord. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin in Jesus' name. Something basic, cryptic, simple. But I remember what I experienced after that. I literally felt lighter on my feet. It was like, wow, there's a lot of things I don't know, but I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven. I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual way of putting it. But what I experienced was like I felt lighter on my feet. It's just peace with God. Did I do any of the great feet? No, I just believe the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. And just to be able to, to share and to, man, man, that's what happened to me. And all, all I know is I can tell you that, you know, I experienced the forgiveness. There's, there's, there's so many things I don't understand and I'll never understand on this side of life. But I know that God loves me. And I know that I have a peace that I didn't have before. And I have a relationship with him, you know. And, you know, to be able to share, just to be able to explain just the simplicity of that. But I love the sweetness that comes through. This is how we do We're not talking to you sinner, me righteous, righteous man. We're, we're talking, no, we don't. Do it. We don't see that in these scriptures. We see a kindness. We see gentle. We see respectful. Even when Billy Graham preaches the gospel, you hear that. You know, he'll, when he's reaching out to the sinner, now he's a child of God. People say, us sinners, we need the Savior. We need Christ. We need, you know, there will be a certain empathy that he'll come alongside. So it's not just me, righteous, you sinner. It's we, mankind, human condition. This is the way the apostle Paul, when he put it, he said, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who fellow, when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring Christ to those who were under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. In other words, he didn't step over lines that he knew were morally wrong, but he was still, he could hang with them. When I was with those who were weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. You see the heart behind the way he would share and communicate his testimony. It's not, you know, me righteous, you sinner. It's, you're, you're coming along, people. You're, you, there's a humility. There's a deference. But the message is the same. The, the message is the same. Now, here's an example of the Apostle Paul telling his personal story. And... You know, he was speaking to a, to a Jew and a Greek at the time that he did this. Um, in his defense, he said, I used to believe, again, this is just Paul testifying, this is him giving his personal story, telling it. He said, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus and Nazarene. In other words, there's a backstory. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. 
and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogue, synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day, while I, on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest, about noon, your majesty, as I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord, I asked. The Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have prepared you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me. Tell them what I will show you in the future. I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Just telling my story. It's all he's doing. But there's an anointing. It's, Book of Revelation says, you know, the testimony, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we begin to testify the gospel and interweave it into our story, there is an anointing on your story because there's an anointing on the gospel. This is true. I mean, there's power in your story. So there's telling your story, understanding the simplicity of the, the gospel, but then just simply, what's my story? I want to tell a story here. What is my story as it collides with the gospel? To think about that. Everybody's story is so different. You know, it's completely different. And, and praise God, they are different. Because everybody who needs Jesus comes from a similar background of our stories. There's people who find Jesus and people who don't find Jesus who can have the same similar upbringings that we all do. But our stories have power in the way that we come to Christ. Tell our story. You know, and, and the ultimate thing is just the gospel is the power of God. Again, that's what makes our story powerful when it's integrated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So just be able to tell our story. And that's, again, another thing that to me, it's like, you can take it or leave it, but this is my testimony. Take it or leave it, this is what happened to me. And I integrate the power of the gospel in that story. And so as we're looking at simply sharing the gospel, it is... Knowing the, the gospel, the basic truth of it, not complicating it, you know, not straying from like what Paul called the simplicity of the gospel, but staying with the simple truth of it. Know it, get that in your heart. Again, what is that simple truth? The, the simple truth is we are sinners. God so loved us that he sent Jesus. Of course, John 3.16 sums it all up. That whoever believes in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. We turn, we believe that message. We believe God raised Jesus from the dead. We declare he is our Lord. We receive that forgiveness and we're saved. No theological degree necessary. A simple message that's simply embraced, simply communicated. Of course, it'll come out different as you're saying it in different ways, but just the essence of those truths 
will come out. And God, that's where God will help you by the Holy Spirit to communicate that, different people in different ways. But the truth of that is the simplicity of it doesn't change. The power of the gospel, we're trusting it. When I'm saying those simple truths, God's doing, it's not, again, it's not just me and my persuasive ability to convert to this person. No, it's me putting the gospel out there and faith coming, the Holy Spirit, the drawing power of the Holy Spirit coming into the room, as it were, drawing a person to Christ. So it's not on me, it's just me humbling myself to present the simplicity of the gospel and trusting that the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Again, that takes the pressure off of me too. And then finally, your gospel story. It's your story. Tell it, you know? How can you argue with the person's own story? This is just my story. This is my experience. And again, I really got saved through a testimony, through Nikki Cruz telling his story, through Run, Baby, Run. And there was power. The spirit of prophecy, you know, is in the testimony of Jesus. And so that testimony draws people. So I'm just trying to show you in sharing the gospel in some of these diffusing ways. You don't have to do it every day, all the time, and I got to get five people saved every day or I'm falling down. You don't have to put all these expectations on yourself. You know, the scripture says if somebody asks you for the reason, all right? So there again, there's just one thing where you realize, okay, somebody's asking me, can I reach out? Can I? Yeah, absolutely, you can reach out. God can lead us and to, to reach out to people and to share our faith and different things like that. But to just realize it's simple, not complicated, the power's in the gospel, not me, and I got a story. What's my story? You know, and just begin to work with some of these things and let the Holy Spirit empower you, you know, to begin to share your faith. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for just this amazing role we have to play in your grand salvation plan that is amazing as everything you did for us on that cross, your death, your burial, your resurrection. Still the question is posed. How will they believe unless they hear? We're amazed that you've given us such a powerful role in that plan. And Father, I pray this morning that each one of us would just be free from all condemnation, that there is no condemnation for us at all when it comes to sharing, preaching the gospel, but it is a simple message. And I pray, Father, for each one of us to just realize that that simple truth we know is the simple truth that saves a soul, that simple message, and that there's power in that message. We can trust in the power of that message, Lord, as we tell our story and how you've worked in our lives, Lord. I pray for each one of us this morning. Help us, encourage us, Show us, Father God, show us those opportunities where you want us to speak out, where you want us to share, that we do it with that grace, with that kindness, with that respect, that empathy. Father God, as we tell our story of the simple truth of your message, we love you, Father. We thank you that we can have this amazing role in your plan of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, I received that this morning again. Like I said, it's kind of one of those areas that we go, oh my goodness, preaching, I just, but realize, man, that's, that's our part, it's our role, it's powerful, praise God.